Hey, hey everyone, hey, how's it going? Welcome. <laughs> oh. Gotta cough it out sometimes, you know? Sometimes we open up with a cough. Welcome to Chapter Chunks. There we go. A reading podcast where we read books and then we talk about them and we're just like three guys we don't know what we're doing three chumps you might say just have no fucking clue how to run a podcast um how how really even to function in like normal society if if any of you listeners figure that out please do let us know nobody knows everyone's guessing but we, but we know what we are doing here today. Today we're going to be talking about um, Lord of the Rings, book three, chapter eleven of the second book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then book four, chapter one. Yeah, so, yeah. Two chapters today. Think about that. We're finishing folks. two finishing two chapters. Two chapters, two books. Mm-hmm. One chapter from each book within yeah. a book. That's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. When you lay it all out there like that. Within a trilogy. A technically. Right. A foatology. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Yep. Um, it is cool that we're going to be talking about the end of this, uh, book within a book and the beginning of this other book within a book, because, uh, we're really getting into some new territory. So I'm excited to, uh, get into that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it feels like we're really getting into the, the, the meat of this thing, you know, we're, we're yeah. digging in. Before it's like you bite into a sandwich and like you get that that bite on the very end where like the lettuce and the tomatoes there and the bread you just get like a yeah and like some like of the sauce lettuce like tomato a little, like a little tiny bit of sauce right but not the actual meat that's in the center yeah yeah you're not there yet no. And so that's, you know, th- that's a, that's like the most satisfying uh, bite of of the sandwich. And so we're we're kind of we're, we we are in that territory as far as the book goes. Meat territory. Meat territory. We're we're in like the juiciest section, I think. And it's only going to get juicier. Yeah. Yeah, until we're going to need end. a bib. Until the very end when we we could just get bun, we just get one bite of bun. Yeah. I wonder if that is how it will feel like it ends, if we get another bun bite. You know, but sometimes that's a satisfying way to end it, too, you know? Because, like, if it's just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that was that was nice. And then, the, like, the, the bun kind of softens the blow, you know? That's true. Of, of all the flavors. Hey, when you're eating a, a sandwich and, like, you know, maybe there's some meat on it or what have you, a cutlet, whatever, you know? 
Uh, in my experience, I do You're this like with burgers because because you forget what it's like. <laughs> no. to, to have a sandwich with meat on it no oh. no i'm not just saying oh do you ever have a sandwich i, <laughs> okay. I, I actually had another i, thought I actually right. had it like more to long, say about that so long since you've had uh, a, a no. meat sandwich no okay. no no but like do you ever in in an attempt to avoid the last bite being just like bun and lettuce do you ever like strategically eat your burger so like as you bite into it, like you kind of anticipate where like the where like the patty is gonna like slide within the bun because like sometimes you bite and like things start moving around, you know. So like you might bite from the left and then to the right, and you're like trying to keep it centered, like with your bites. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, you ever do yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. So so for me, like every once in a while, I will have like a you know a crispy chicken sandwich from a, a fast food place, you know. Right. And um. For the record, this guy's never had a burger. I know, I've not had a burger, no. Um, in your life? In Well, uh, as far as hamburgers or cheeseburgers go, I have no, I have not. Um, He's had food on buns before. I've had plenty yes. of food on bun. Uh, but, so, what, what I will do, um, because even just a, a, a chicken sandwich is a rare occurrence, because I don't really, you know, bun, I don't really eat buns a lot. I'm not... Um, I'm not a bun guy. No. Um, so I I will like plan it so my first bite is the worst bite, and so it only gets better because like a lot of times there's like a little, especially if it's chicken, like it's it kind of if it's crispy chicken, it kind of uh, you know the shape is very different than like if it was a burger, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. So so it's like a lot of times there's like a bit of, like it's kind of oblong. Yeah, and there's like a little bit sticking out of the bun at the end on, on on like one side a lot of the time, you know. So I'll be like working towards that bite, towards like that end. I'll purposefully yes. um, make it so the first bite is the worst, and like I end on a high note. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, Josh, do you want to weigh in on uh, the on burger burgers? bite discussion? Um, I don't know how much I can add to it, honestly. I do like hamburgers. I, I cook them at least once a week. But I don't know. Most people probably wouldn't enjoy the very simple humble burgers that I enjoy. I have had the burgers where stuff moves around, though, but tends to be a lot of food for me. Now, what, what's the difference between, you know, people say like, oh, they got a helping of humble pie. Like, what's the difference between a humble pie and a humble burger? When I say humble burger, I just mean like there's barely anything on it. It really is just meat, ketchup, and a bun. Gotcha. You've heard the humble pie before, right? That's just a saying, yes. Yeah, I know. But I was, asking, <laughs> I was, I was wondering what, if there's a difference. Yes, I have heard the saying. Humble, you want some humble clarification pie. if you could provide it, Josh. If, if you could if you could clarify that for him. Thanks for playing. Guess not. My By the way, we're, we're doing introductions, so... Um, that's Josh. Yep, Is that what right we were here. doing? I thought we were talking about hamburgers. <laughs> I should read the news while you guys were talking about hamburgers. We're going to do introductions. Um, Josh is the one who eats humble burgers. <laughs> Connor, Connor's the one who saves the best bite for last, worst bite first. And I, uh, your humble host humble host he's the one who's who's forgotten what it's like to eat uh, uh <laughs> yeah, a, a meat burger just have no clue a meat sandwich 
my name's Connor. And we're going to talk about The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 11, Book 4, Chapter 1. Here we freaking go. So, so Chapter 11. Um, this chapter... Are we broke? What broke? Get it? Chapter 11? It's like a thing that you can file, oh, file oh, for chapter 11 and it means that you fucked everything up with the company oh, wow. and lost all your money. That was like way too smart Financial jokes! That was, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've worked in the, the you know, finance sector before, so That's I kind right. of I kind of get all these references that, you're, that might you're in the, the net you're very knowledgeable yeah, about that. Yeah. the heads of, uh, of, of you know, normies or, or right. laymen, <laughs> as, as mm. we refer to them as, you know. Yeah. Same. I'm just a humble chump, you know? Yeah. And I'm not trying to humble brag here either. I'm just, it's no. just. No, but you just know what you know. I just you know, know what I know. Um, no, we're not broke. Not all of us, anyways. Um, some of us are doing okay. Yeah, some of us. Some of us. I thought, I thought you were about to say we're woke. <laughs> go, Come on. Go broke, go woke is what they say, so. Come on. I am woke. You are the wokest of all, the my wokest. friends. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 11. The Palantir. So this chapter um, picks up after um, uh, the... The I don't know the gang, Gandalf, Theoden, Gimli, Aragorn, Merry, Pippin, and the Riders of Rohan confront Saruman, and Gandalf uh, just owns him completely. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I barely ever say that anyone gets owned anymore. That is not a term that just gets thrown around casually. This is now, not like would you Xbox go, Live. Would you go okay. as far as to say that he got pwned? I would. Wow. Wow. I really do think he got pwned. Josh, what do you think about that? Yeah. It's weird that a lot of slang from 2013 has been showing up this week. <laughs> this is the first time <laughs> I'm hearing that. <laughs> Because he really did get pwned. I mean, he did get pwned. He really did. I mean, he I really did. I don't know if I've ever said that word before in my life, but <laughs> I never like. But tonight, no, I never sure like you, saying sure you have. No, I'm sure you've said I, it. Come on, at least once. Yeah, I probably have. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a fun word to say. No. 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 I mean, it. It. it okay. It, it doesn't disgust me the same way it did in 2013, though. Just, I mean, yeah. It still does, but in a different way. The thing yeah. is, I feel like I feel like pwned might even be before 2013. Like saying 2013 oh, yeah. no, feels no, like no. too recent, really. 2013, a bit, yeah. So it's weird. It's uh, like you know where exactly where it came from, but you hate it either. It, it's not like stupid slang where you don't know where it came from, because it's clearly just like someone just mistyped owned, and it stuck. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I owned just I owned. That just wasn't gonna work. But pwned. Yeah, that's that's true. It it was kind of like a happy accident. Hmm. Yep. Saruman does get pwned here. Um and this chapter takes place in the There's, aftermath of that. 
I think there's our episode title. Saruman got pwned. <laughs> That's a good one. That that, the, that would the, kill in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would own it. That, that would be. Yeah. That would definitely be a, a YTMND video. Just waiting to. Uh, <laughs> play. Um, and so yeah, they're. Uh, the the group is kind of just like ca- like pretty casually just hanging out afterwards. Um, they leave. They're on like the outskirts of Isengard, I think, kind of like regrouping because uh, Treebeard and the other Ents are keeping god guard on the, of the tower. Um, and so Merry and Pippin get to like talk a bit more, and Pippin's like, "Man, you know, something about that orb, right? Don't you just want to like." unlock its mysteries and mary's just like go to sleep pippin um (laughs) and so like uh pippin does not go to sleep and he steals the or thanks stone from gandalf uh was kind of surprised that it worked as well as it did i guess you really can just take stuff from gandalf sometimes if you're sneaky enough you'd be sleeping uh i know i mean everyone's got a sleep right i mean even wizards i guess and uh and anyways it doesn't go that great for pippin because he like stares into the eye of sauron and you know it's it's like a horrible uh you know chilling experience and so when he screams everyone you know gandalf's like that's where my fucking thing went and then they kind of go through that whole business where it's like, oh, wow, uh, so, you know, the, the the enemy is upon us, you know, they know where we are, and um, and then even, like, an Nazgul flies overhead, and Gandalf's like, wow, we really gotta fucking leave, like, immediately! Yeah, he's like, every man for himself! Yeah, right, <laughs> it's a good thing I have the fastest horse in existence, and then... <laughs> He rockets off with Pippin, and he's like, you know, catch up if you can, and, um... Uh, Gandalf and and Pippin have a conversation that we'll uh, touch a bit more on but uh, ultimately you know Pippin's like hey I thought we were going to Helm's Deep and Gandalf is like no we're going to Minas Tirith before it is consumed by war and that is where the chapter ends and where the book within the book ends what do you think about that what a note to end on. I thought it was yeah. a very good, very exciting chapter. Um, I I mean, I really thought it was very, very, very funny. Just the, the scene of... Uh, um, I fucking get the, the, get them confused. Was it Mary or Pippin who stole the orb? It was... Uh, it, it was Pippin who stole Pippin, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pippin just like tiptoeing... To steal it from Gandalf while he's sleeping, and he just replaces it with a big rock, like <laughs> the yeah. silliest thing. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like realizing what what went down, and um, you know who he was in communication with while under the influence of the orb. Uh, yes, was was pretty. <laughs> You know, mind blowing, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was a fun chapter. I'm kind of, you know, obviously Gandalf didn't d- 
you know, he had his suspicions about what the orb was and and what its connection, you know, was and uh, all that. But um, I mean, I, I you can't help but think that his lack of communication about things does. Bite, I know does bite them in the ass. You know, like I know. quite a bit. Yeah, it's. It's like all well and good being secretive, but but he just like thinks that he he knows better than everyone else, and he the the issue is, is that he does, but <laughs> like not to the degree where he can like withhold information that might like keep them safe. I guess he's out of line, but he's right. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a hard line to walk, and I don't think he always gets it right. No, well, even, I think he says to Aragorn or one of the other hobbits. This chapter, the one previously, that he's just always thinking like super fast and just doesn't communicate. He, he doesn't himself. He doesn't really communicate everything to the others that much because he it, it's too slow for him or some some humble brag like that. Yeah, it it does. Oh, I think feel it's in the like... very beginning. We're talking to. Sorry, well, if, if you find he's, it, he's tell talking us. to talking to Mary. But um, it does feel like even if he's not sure, they would benefit from, like, he, he could just say that. He could be like, hey, I don't know what this is. Like, I'm not positive, yeah. but this is what I think it is. So, like, just to be on the safe side, like, we should not touch it, right? He, th- There is a passage where, where he does talk to um, Pippin about it, like, while they're writing, I think, and he's like... Well, you know, the the knowledge wouldn't save you, it would tempt you even more. You know, like, you'd be even more tempted if you had known. Mm. That um, is true. Yeah, that which, is true, you're right. Which is like, I guess, but like, I, you gotta think that there's some sort of middle ground, right? Like... Or even couldn't couldn't he have told someone else like yes, to be yes, like, exactly. hey, Pippin is gonna yes. try to take this. Like I know that he's gonna try yep. and take it because because he touched so, it. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we guard it? Like, he touched it. It's kind of infected his psyche a little bit. So tell tell Mary or tell Aragorn to keep an eye on him. You know, right. but like that would be the thing to do. I think so. So there is a yep. middle ground. Well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because, like, that's kind of what, like, all of Lord of the Rings is about, too, in a way, because it's like, didn't Gandalf yeah, suspect just tell that, people. uh, didn't he suspect that the, that, uh, Bilbo's ring was the one ring for, like, a decade? Yeah. No, for, like, several decades before he <laughs> went and checked. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he just, like, yeah, he wasn't able to, like, you know, he's like, oh, well, I'm only 99% sure, so I'm not going to tell anyone yet. It's like. It yep. feels like we could have taken steps to be a little more proactive about this, Gandalf. Oh, That's all I'm saying. Guys, speaking of the devil, speak, I, I got to show you my phone background, okay? Quick. One second. Look. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> nice. Are you really on a Lord of the Rings kick now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just I, 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 I saw that picture of Gandalf with the shades, and I couldn't help myself. Yeah. little behind-the-scenes uh, picture of Ian McKellen there. Yeah, nice. what a badass. I know. I know. If you're interested, wow. there's actually a Lord of the Rings, uh, just to sidetrack us a bit, there's a Lord of the Rings series going on uh, from another uh, internet group that I follow. Uh, it's called Simple Walk. And they did a they did a miniseries of it like 10 years ago where these two guys just go to New Zealand and they walk from the set of Hobbiton to the set of, or to the mountain that they used to film Mount Doom. Um, and they're doing a second series right now, and there's an already one episode out where they're 
going from Hobbiton to the mountain that they use to film the Lonely Mountain, which is even further. Oh, so they're, literally just, cool. they're literally just walking through New Zealand with, uh, they have like a couple friends, like driving some like supplies to them every now and then. But um, it like the whole first season, if you call it, if you can call it season is like an hour to watch. So if you are interested, a simple walk. Yeah. It sounds it like a blast. Cool. It's a cool idea. Yeah. I'm uh I feel like I'm waiting to finish reading the books before I jump into like all the surrounding Lord of the Rings yeah, like, I've been, material proper, but I, there is obviously a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's just cause Connor brought up, you, you were talking about uh, Lord of the Rings kick and I was like, I've actually been avoiding a lot of stuff that comes <laughs> right. on my YouTube feed because it, it might be related to uh, Tolkien or Middle Earth in some way. Um, but a simple walk. I I remember watching it ten years ago, and I know there's they they make internet references to it, um, and it's definitely having rewatched it uh, last week when the first episode of the new series came out. Um, it it definitely shows its age at at times. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh so, man, Saruman I mean, got pwned, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's it's that level of stuff, and it's like, hmm, yeah, this is a. Internet humor has changed quite a bit. Yeah. Probably for the better in some places. Uh, that I wonder. It's still a good but... series. It's still a good series. It's just a couple of guys fucking around, but it's still good. It's kind of like our thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just yeah. like a bunch of guys. Just like all of our old stuff. A few guys, you know? it from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our notes here. I got I got actually sure. a lot of notes. Um, so, so we I should had... do that. I did not have a lot of notes for this chapter. Uh, most of them ended up being in the next one. So, what I want to start with here. So, um, in my copy, it's page one hundred ninety-five, which is just. I don't, uh, I don't know why you keep giving me page numbers because our pages haven't lined up since we read. It's, it's really not for guide. you. It's not for you. It's for our audience, Josh. Just in case someone has a copy that follows along, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I guess. wow, that's so cool." We have the yeah. same copy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Just like a little bit of recognition. It's just fun, you know? Um, so the, uh, the ISBN numbers that we're all reading from. They're they're talk Mary and Pippin are uh, talking about Gandalf. And um let's see. Where was it? Where was it? Oh, so Pippin saying that Gandalf has not changed at all. And Mary says, oh, yes, he has. He has grown or something. He can be both kinder and more alarming, merrier and more solemn than before, I think. He has changed, but we have not had a chance to see how much yet. And I I liked that for the idea that uh, we've already kind of talked about how Sometimes it feels like Gandalf the White coming back is more like a regeneration than a revival. Yeah. Um, so, like, there are differences to this Gandalf, and it's interesting to see the characters comment on that. Um, and then also, I like that it's Pippin who's like, he hasn't fucking changed at all. But then, I have another note on this, but they're connected, so I'll just throw it out there. But then... Uh, when Gandalf realizes that Pippin has stolen the Palantir, 
like historically Gandalf would fucking flip out at Pippin like you know like Gandalf <laughs> is not shy about like berating Pippin and telling him he's a f- total fuck up idiot he's not shy about berating anybody he is definitely not shy about berating Pippin in particular yeah it, it feels like he gets enjoyment out of it historically <laughs> but here Gandalf's punching back <laughs> but but here he does kind of start out that way, you know? He's very serious. Yeah. He, he does seem upset. But mm-hmm. uh, Gandalf kind of has a turn, you know, in that conversation. Yeah. Where he becomes, like, gentler and more compassionate and understanding. Shocked. So uh, I liked that, you know, Pippin is the one selling Gandalf short. He's like, he's none of those things. But ju- in, you know, just a little bit later in this chapter... That's Dem- Gandalf demonstrates that to Pippin, and it's like, oh yeah, like that's a really good way of showing that because like we know that's kind of Gandalf's thing is like shitting on Pippin, and he has like the perfect yeah. opportunity on a silver platter here, and he doesn't take it, you know. He just he just takes a shirt. Yeah, not, yeah, not I mean, a full you know, shirt. He's not, he, he's he's not just, perfect, but no, he just takes a shirt. <laughs> yeah, which is you know that's improvement. You know, that's growth. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely had the same thought because um, I, I, I really was ready for him to just tear into him like like a scary amount, you know? Yeah. But um, but yeah, he, he doesn't really... I mean, he doesn't blame Pippin um, entirely and also... You know, kind of, uh, um, kind of holds back some aggression, especially once he realizes that, like, the worst case scenario did not happen, right? Like, they 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 weren't totally found they, out. It was just a, you know, right. kind of a, a fast interaction or whatever. Right. Which seems to be kind of tied to like Sauron's arrogance, because I think Gandalf explains that Sauron most likely thinks that Pippin talks to the Palantir because, like, he's captured in Orthanc Tower by Saruman, and Saruman is making Pippin stare into the Palantir as, like, a form of torture. Um, so, So somehow, whatever, like, Sauron sees through the Palantir, you must not get, like, a very clear vision or right like otherwise it'd be pretty right. obvious that pippin is not in the tower yeah but um i'm just picturing like it's a it's seems like he thinks he is. yeah they're like surrounded by darkness and can only just you know. yeah I, I got the impression they were like this ephemeral yeah like like mist darkness kind, area kind of like is it kind of like so in the it, end it, of uh the name of the doctor when they're in the doctor's timeline and they see the war doctor it's just like a black uh like stormy area stormy area yeah yeah um so yeah i think the description includes totally yeah um i think the description also includes uh mention of like seven stars or something in the distance and i i get the impression that each star is one of the palantirs that we later learn about Mm. i think saruman's like in one of them or like is like is like one of the the stars and Pippin would be the other since he's observing. So I think it's like, like almost like a realm where these Palantirs just 
give the user like access or, or like a window into this realm of some sort where they're able to communicate with one another. That's that's the impression that I was getting when I was reading. Uh, I could be wrong because I was half asleep and very exhausted this past weekend, but mm. um, that is the impression that I got. Yeah, it is. I think it, it, it probably is closer to what you're describing though, Josh, because like at first it kind of seems like, oh, well, you know, they're magical orbs that allow you to communicate over vast distances. And like, that's true. But we also get from Gandalf's, uh, Gandalf also has this other line where, um, it sounds like they're a lot more than that. Um, where is that in my notes? Uh, Okay, so Josh is going to say, this page doesn't matter, but it's page 204. And um, Gandalf is talking to Pippin. This is when they're on Shadowfax, I think. And he's saying, like, almost like, hey, don't, don't sweat it. Like, don't, you know, like, anyone would have been tempted by the Palantir. And then he goes into this whole description, like, hey, even me. And then this is what he says. Um, or, oh no, he's actually he's actually talking about how, oh, this is how Saruman fell. And Gandalf is like, I get it. I get how Saruman would have fallen to that temptation. He says, um, uh, the Orthanc stone so bent towards Barad-dor, which is uh, the tower in Mordor, that... If any save a will of adamant now looks into it, it will bear his mind and sight swiftly hither. And how it draws one to itself, have I not felt it? Even now my heart desires to test my will upon it, to see if I could not wrench it from him and turn it where I would, to look across the wide seas of water and of time, to Tyrion the fair, and perceive the unimaginable hand and mind of Feanor at their work, while both the white tree and the golden were in flower. So, yeah, he's talking about it like you can, like, uh, time travel, see through time, you know? And when I was re you're right. And when when I was reading, this is actually where, this is close to where I made another note. Um, what and page number was it for you, Josh? It, 742 <laughs> through 743. All right, cool. Oh wow, we are very we are very off. You're right. Yes, because my because my book picks up where the page count where fellowship left off. Right. Yes. Yes. So anyway, um that whole section where Gandalf is explaining what the Palantiri are, uh it got me thinking are they all orbs? Because it sounds very similar to the far si far seeing seat of power, or whatever that Frodo stumbled on at the end of Fellowship, uh, where he saw uh, Sauron's tower for the first time with the the big fiery eye, yeah. um, and it also reminded me of Galadriel's mirror. Yeah, those are good. Points. Especially especially when Gandalf says uh, a will of adamant. Yeah. To, so I don't know if those are. Also, palantirs in some other form, or if they're maybe uh, lesser recreations by the elves, by men and elves, uh, in, in at, from later times. But they they very much reminded me of uh, Gandalf's description of what the palantiri are. 
Yeah. Yeah, those are really good points, Josh. I definitely just thought they were orbs, and um, from the way Gandalf talked about them, I do feel like they probably are similar to one another, but, you know, the idea that those those other examples might even be, um, like, imitations or, like, made made out of, like, you know, inspiration from them uh, is really cool. Because it does sound like it's a big, you know, there's a reason there's only seven. Um, sounds like it's a pretty incredible thing to make, and it was it was done during a time, you know, that those resources were available and now they're not whatever they are, whatever the skill was, whatever was needed to make it like people cannot do that anymore. Gandalf mentions like Sauron couldn't make a Palantir, you know? So even the people that we consider to be like the most incredible, powerful people on middle earth today, that knowledge is lost or inaccessible somehow. Um, so it would like stand a reason that like people would still try to, it's like, yeah, if you can't make a Palantir, like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you, wouldn't you still try to access that, uh, that power or that ability, whatever, with whatever means you could. Um, so that, that's a, that's a cool way to connect those, those different ideas. Um, I felt like something about that maybe wanted me to jump somewhere else, but now, now I'm not sure. Um, was, do, do you want to talk about any of your notes, Josh? Well, I just did. <laughs> gotcha. I, I don't have a lot, but and the other two are kind of dumb. Um, first off, this has been making me giggle in the background, but Pippin is enamored by with the orb. Um, and every time someone is saying the orb, I'm just reminded of this video that I saw on the internet like a month ago. I said I just shared it in the the chapter chumps chat oh. if you want to watch that afterwards. It's really stupid. Um, but it's just the way the guy says the orb is just in my head. Anyway, uh, Pippin is enamored with the orb. It, think of it as like the claw from Toy Story. How yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what I keep thinking of whenever someone says the orb. Anyway, um, it's pretty obvious, but this is definitely the the little orb with the eye in it that we saw in Fellowship uh, when we watched that movie. I don't think that was ever really brought up in the Fellowship book. Um, no, but I think this is the first time that I think this is the latest that so, latest something in the book shows up that I'm sorry. It's just, I think this is the latest into the two towers that something has shown up that we already saw in the movie uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Um, and it's just one of those elements that was woven into the story of Fellowship to help it flow a little better as mm -hmm. a movie. Um because we also saw Orthanc, uh, and and <sighs> blanking on the name of the land that Orthanc's in, um, Isengard. Isengard. Thank you. Yeah, um, that whole meeting with Gandalf and Saruman, like where was mentioned. It was mentioned yeah. in Fellowship, um, but we also we see the Palantir on the uh, in that in those shots. Yes, um, right. So I'm just making. My note here is making note of the fact that uh, now we finally know what that orb is called and what it is. And apparently in the two towers, its job is to get chucked out a window by Warp Tongue <laughs> and, <laughs> and poison Pippin's mind. Right. Which I guess, you know, would it does feel like it might make more sense because, um, 
you know, watching watching the movies and yeah, like trying to make them feel a little more cohesive. It is kind of funny that uh, this just gets thrown out of a window and it's like, here's the exposition dump. <laughs> yep. So it, it probably like thrown out a window and bounces off bounces off a balcony where Saruman would just was standing, and then like lands on the ground. So. Hmm. Yeah, I I kind of wonder. I'd be interested to see what a uh, worm tongue's fate is, or Saruman's for that matter too. It's like they're just trapped in a tower. But anyways, yep. um. Okay, there are a few more things I want to get to here. One was uh, Connor actually mentioned this before too. I, I guess we all sort of have been, but um, you know, he talked about the seriousness of what Pippin uncovers, and like I think the way that Connor put it was who he's talking to, and it's like I think this is the first time Sauron has dialogue because he actually says stuff. Oh, you're right. I didn't and even I, realize that. Yeah. It's not a lot, but um, I did want to just read it out loud because it's like just a couple don't lines. Bring those, don't bring those evil words onto our podcast. <laughs> this is not the place for those. Yeah, you might be right, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, <clears throat> so this is when... So Pippin, Pippin is made to recount his story uh, when, when Gandalf and the rest of the group uh, discover him you know, Pippin is like so freaked out. He's like, I, I don't remember. I can't even say, you know, and this is when Gandalf is especially angry about it. And he's like, you need to tell me what happened. And so uh, this is what Pippin has to say about his conversation between himself and Sauron. Um, I tried to get away because I thought it would fly out. But when it had covered all the globe, it disappeared. Oh, I think I was talking about, like, the Nazgul approaching. Um, then he came. He is italicized. Yeah. He did not speak so that I could hear words. He just looked and I underststood. So uh, that's even more interesting, actually. So maybe this like dialogue is inferred. Yeah. Um. But either way, we're meant to take this as this is what Sauron is communicating to Pippin. So you have come back. Why have you neglected to report for so long? I did not answer. He said, who are you? I still did not answer, but it hurt me horribly. And he pressed me. So I said, a hobbit. Then suddenly he seemed to see me and he laughed at me. It was cruel. It was like being stabbed with knives. I struggled, but he said, Wait a moment. We shall meet again soon. Tell Saruman that this dainty is not for him. I will send for it at once. Do you understand? Say just that. Then he gloated over me. I felt I was falling to pieces. No, no, I can't say any more. I don't remember anything else. So those are Saruman's words, his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, or I, I, Sauron, rather, I think yeah. it's pretty clear that it's like everything that's going on between them is like in the mental or spirit realm. You know, it's not <clears throat> they're not making any actual movements, but 
Right. But I'd say that it's dialogue nonetheless. Yeah. And I guess that is like even more clear because I remember reading through the chapter when Pippin uncovers the Palantir. I think uh, Tolkien describes it like he's looking at it and then like he he starts like he's just like mouthing words kind of but not really talking and then like he screams, you know, and so uh, he kind of writes about what it what what it looks like happened, what is happening to Pippin from like an outside observer's perspective. And then Pippin describes like what was actually going on internally afterwards. So, yeah, there's probably even like a big time difference like this is probably just a few seconds in like the real world you know um mm. despite like pippin's vision experience probably probably feeling like it lasted much longer um <clears throat> but yeah any any moment where like there's more focus on sauron and especially giving him like uh lines of dialogue i thought that was that was pretty interesting and um I don't know. I really like the I really like the part where um, where Pippin says that he's a hobbit, and then he says, "Suddenly he seemed to see me, and he laughed at me. It was cruel." Like I don't know. Yeah, like it was a like he wasn't paying attention, and then got an answer he wasn't expecting. Like I I think he at first assumed that it was Saruman calling him, mm-hmm. and was just kind of, he was just kind of like doing his own thing, and then he realized wait, this isn't right. Who are you? And he, he got an answer he wasn't expecting. And that's when he saw him. And he's just like, what's this little fucker doing here? And just laughs at him. Right. And then also, I think something that I didn't get before, but I, I think I'm understanding it a bit more, like rereading the passage just now. Um, <clears throat> Cause later in the chapter, Gandalf mentions that, Gandalf believes from Sauron's perspective the reason that Pippin was communicating through the Palantir was because Saruman made him do it. And so if that is what Sauron thinks is happening, it also follows that Sauron believes that the plan of like capturing the hobbits was successful. <clears throat> you know, that Pippin is a prisoner in Orthanc Tower. Mm-hmm. And so... These these lines where he says, wait a moment, we shall meet again soon. Tell Saruman that this dainty is not for him. I will send for it at once. Do you understand? Say just that. And at first I thought, I thought for some reason Sauron was talking to Pippin saying, like, because Pippin only called himself a hobbit, maybe Sauron thought that like Frodo was captured and that maybe. the ring is in the possession. So he's saying, I will send for it the ring at once. But Sauron knows what the plan is from before because Saruman's been communicating about it. He knows that these hobbits don't have the ring. He wants to use them to find where the other hobbits are. Sauron's aware of this. So anyways, when he's saying, tell Saruman that this dainty is not for him, he's talking about Pippin. When he says, I will send for it at once, he's talking about Pippin. He doesn't even refer to Pippin as like, uh, like an individual or anything with auto- yeah. autonomy. Autonomy. He's he's mm-hmm. telling Pippin to say these exact words to Saruman. Saruman will understand that you're talking about yourself, Pippin. You know, you are just like a bag for me to retrieve. Yeah. 
which is why the Nazgul goes overhead later in the chapter, and then everyone leaves. So it's it all happens pretty fast. Um, but that's... I, I didn't really get that... Um, that Sauron was talking about Pippin when he referred to him that way. But I, I think yeah, that I, is I, it. Yeah, I definitely thought it was he was referring to the ring or maybe even the palantir um but yeah he's most likely talking about pippin or the hobbits in general just like your your prisoner right i believe so um okay let me i'll try and go faster through these cuz i know you guys I th I'm the only one with notes left here, so let's see what else. Uh... I do have one more, real quick. Oh, go for it, Josh. When uh, the Nazgul flies overhead, uh, uh, <laughs> Gandalf says, uh, "The messenger of Mordor, the storm is coming. The Nazgul has crossed the river. Ride, ride. Wait not for the dawn. Let not the swift wait for the slow. Ride." Which I just thought was like, uh, yeah, so much for no man left behind, huh, Gandalf? <laughs> it, it was very much like like Gandalf is, is usually like help everybody kind of person even though he's yeah. not the most uh, he, he's not the, he's not the most cordial about it at any given time but this was very blatantly like alright everyone fuck off like don't not even worry about themselves. the slowpoke yeah every man for himself so it's, that's <clears throat> a little unusual yeah I, I guess that's the level of danger he believed they're in. You know, it's like right there. There's nothing else to be done but uh, but run. Yeah. So those are all my notes for this chapter. <laughs> okay. Um. So I guess just uh, going through these real quick. Some of these we kind of touched on. There was this line uh, Gandalf is saying, um, the hobbit peregrine above all should not know where it is bestowed. The evil fit may come on him again. So we get that that implies, you know, like there Pippin had this fixation from touching the Palantir itself. Um, and like we also talked about, hey, that's why Gandalf. That that might be why Gandalf is is understanding as he is, but but also, um, kind of like the ring. There's like this idea that it's it's there's like this dark nature, um, that like creates this powerful temptation, um, and even later, Aragorn. Mary, so Pippin goes with Gandalf, and then Mary goes with Aragorn. And when Aragorn's talking to Mary, he says something like, "If you had been the first to lift the Orthanc stone, you know this might have happened to you instead." It's really doesn't have anything to do with yep. Pippin. Um, yep. But but I guess I just wanted to shout that line out because uh, it shows that while of course the One Ring is like the most powerful dark object on middle earth it has the most powerful like corruptive temptation about it like there are other things like that the one ring isn't necessarily unique 
in in that regard it's just the most powerful of them but like there there are other things that could like kind of put a spell on you you know and it, you know you mm -hmm. you're drawn toward it against your better judgment so it's kind of interesting that palantirs um are are like among those those objects or maybe maybe it's not even that the palantirs themselves but like because sauron's power is tied to it because gandalf yeah, also mentions like that's kind of my thought sauron can corrupt things right so i don't know maybe it's maybe it's just sauron in the end maybe that's the connection the one ring and the palantirs but it's it's all sauron um and i guess like kind of on that note but what did you guys think i want to talk a little bit about how i feel like pippin's uh pippin's like experience here of touching the palantir not being able to fight against the temptation being you know drawn towards it and then kind of being saved by gandalf and shown shown like grace and forgiveness and understanding uh kind of parallels to what we see with saruman even though we don't have the full picture there but you know again gandalf does mention that um he's like that he can like more clearly see what happened with saruman now and like this chapter also pretty much gives us an explanation it's like oh well what happened with saruman like everyone says that he was a really good well-respected wise wizard you know what happened and it's like he found a palantir in orthanc tower and he wasn't able to fight against sauron's will and um you know he was he was like you know made to serve his like dark nature and uh yeah. you know if if pippin can be forgiven because it's like did he even really do it or was it saruman's will through him what does that say about Saruman, you know? Yeah, no, that's, uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that... that's interesting. And I mean, the, the whole thing about redemption and the, this, this corruption and, um, temptation. I mean, it's, it, it, it is interesting morally, you know, um, I don't know. I guess it's hard to <clears throat> hard to imagine as a human, you know, like something that's so attractive that you abandon all of your morals and, um, you know, just just kind of totally <clears throat> get sucked into stuff. But I mean, obviously, there are plenty of real world parallels where that does happen, and and you know, yeah. Let's so, say I mean. Human might be too general. I mean, probably more like as a sane human. <laughs> sane is maybe not the right word, well, but like. Well, well, no, I, I I understand what you're good. saying, but but there there's plenty of parallels. You know, obviously there's there's tons of things in in this, you know, 
the mortal realm that that uh, could be parallels you know there's addiction there's obviously money a big temptation for people that tolkien's covered before and i guess it just yep. comes down to the fit the 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 idea that people are are redeemable i guess um but it kind of illustrates that on a whole other level so it's kind of hard to I don't know. It's 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 a it's a very interesting kind of thought experiment. Yeah. Right. Like how wh- where does personal responsibility come in in situations where it's like uh drug addiction, gambling, um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, any number of things. We could go down a, a humongous list. But yeah, what is uh, what does that say about how we make decisions and what are we responsible for in the end? Yeah, and and I mean the you know I guess the you know I'm sure it hasn't reckoned with with this kind of uh, idea entirely yet. You know I'm sure we'll get more of the the temptations of the evil of the ring and of you know the dark lord's items and um power but uh then then you know it it like asks the question well does that mean that you're not responsible for what you do under that influence or or does it mean that you know you're 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 just you know able to 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 make amends and and be forgiven by by owning up to it regardless of me, of uh you know I mean, obviously, it's different with actual magic than than something in real life, you know. But but <laughs> well, but, but I mean, you, you keep means. you keep saying that, but it's like I don't know. I don't think you're meant yeah. to make that distinction necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, also, Saruman, Saruman killed a lot of people. Pippin hasn't killed anybody yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're 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 not one to one, right? Yeah. No. No. I mean, you you are right. Um, maybe I'm generalizing a bit. How far do you have to go until, you know, to, to the point where you can't be forgiven? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Those are big questions and, you know, we're not going to have the answers to that, but like, so, so considering what we learn in this chapter, um, does it make you feel differently about Saruman in any way? Yeah. I'm not even saying like, Oh, do you forgive him? Like, but uh, did did reading through this chapter like make you reconsider his character at all? Um, I think it made me pity him a little bit more. Um, I don't. Uh, he had his chance for escaping and having a chance at redemption, but by staying behind at, um, or thank you. You now see the consequences of that coming really quickly with the Nazgul flying straight there. Yeah. Uh, and since he also lost control of the Palantir, that's a very powerful item that I doubt Saruman would want someone else to have. And um, I, I think Saruman's going to get punished. And I don't know if we'll see what that entails exactly. So I, he, it feels like he's someone who's who has found the end of the rope and is scrambling to keep themselves from hanging and doesn't realize they're already hung 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way of summing it up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have nothing else to say. He's just he's he's a tragic figure. Hmm. Yeah, I like that way of looking at him. Um, and it is funny to think that like uh, the punishment for Mordor comes so quickly, like you're saying, Josh, because um, as not, Gandalf, it's not exactly punishment. They assume it's. Uh some other way of like communicating before the well yes but gandalf said gandalf has a line that's like um but then they'll realize what's going on and that's like saruman is going to appear like he disobeyed sauron yeah exactly like like saruman stays in orthanc because he wants to continue to ally himself with sauron instead of with the company but in doing so, he's actually set himself up to look like he's like withholding information. You know, like Sauron thinks that yeah. he he has Pippin and all, and then it's like you know he shows up. You know, Sauron is not like listening to Saruman's explanation of what happens. He only sees the aftermath. You know, so he sees the failure. Yes. Um, very much a like. Darth Vader, Hoth kind of situation, like congratulations, Admiral Pia, you know. Yep. Kind of deal. Um, that, or what, oh no no what what did you say? Uh, congratulations on your promotion, Captain Nita. Is that it? No, it's, it's Admiral Piet. It is. It is Piet. He kills Nita. I forget. I don't remember. I know. The That's what I'm saying. Talking about. I might I might be getting yeah, my wires crossed. It's right before yeah it's right before the Battle of Hoth. The the. First captain of the Superstar Destroyer, or the uh, Admiral of the Fleet, drops the fleet out of hyperspace too soon. Um, and Vader Force chokes him through the view screen. As the guy's falling over, Vader's giving his orders. Uh, you were, and then he goes something along the lines of, now you are in command, uh, Admiral Piet. And the guy's yeah, just like, yeah. yes, yes, sir. And then it's just like you see him like trying to pretend to be an Admiral for half a second for the <laughs> Yes, Yeah, right. <laughs> Like chin up, it's like I'm important now. Uh oh. <sighs> okay. Um. God damn. Uh, I'm not gonna go through everything else here. I just I'm wondering if there's anything else important that I missed. Um. Not necessarily. Uh, we talked about a lot here, actually. And I, I do think the Palantirs are very interesting. I, I like the lore that um, Gandalf continues to give on them. Actually, that that part was funny. When so when when Gandalf is talking more and more about the Palantirs, the Pippin, Tolkien writes this line where it's like Pippin can't believe that Gandalf was actually answering all his questions for once. Yeah, <laughs> he's like stunned. That's yeah, because because in the beginning of the chapter. You know, Marion Pippin. I mean, it's what we were talking about. about. He, yeah, he, uh, he doesn't. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, just saying that that was a part of the, their discussion in the beginning of the chapter was was how you ask Gandalf a question and, and you get like a half answer or yeah, you know, a negative answer or something. Yes. Right. And we, it was what we we started this discussion with is that Gandalf just withholds information either intentionally or not, but he just withholds information all the time. So here he is being forthright with it. And yeah, of course, Pivot's going to be overloaded, <laughs> overwhelmed. Yeah, and it was funny too because um, you, you know, Gandalf is like, 
like, how much do you want to know? And then Pippin's like, just like everything about everything in the entire universe, I just want to know yeah, right. there is to know about everything. But but for now, just this one thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a, a sweet moment. Cheeky. Cheeky, yeah. Yeah, Mary and Pippin are like uh, the two most regular people in the company you know everyone else even like frodo and sam are on this like grand adventure and mary and pippin you know get to just be like essentially two chumps honestly like i think they really are like great chump representation absolutely (laughs) because it's like all these amazing things are happening around them and they're like get a load of this guy you know like (laughs) yep so they have some good commentary so they are two and three po of the group Yes, yeah. Big Rosencrantz and Guildenstern energy, am I right? I do not recognize those names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm assuming we're we're done with this. We're done with this chapter, so that means we're we're done with our book three discussion, right? Are we good on this? Yeah. Congratulations. Do you wanna I yeah, no. Nice nice job, y'all. Um do you wanna take a quick break before we jump into chapter four? A tight yes. two point six. Let's do five because I gotta take Nova out. No, tight two point six. Five it is. I gotta Josh. take Nova out. <laughs> of course it's five. gonna be a five. Come on, give me a break. I think I can pee for less than right. five minutes. Nova. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick uh, note on this because this is this is not typical of me. But um, I only had one glass of whiskey tonight, and when I went out there for a quick break, I was like, you know what? I I was like, I did think about pouring another glass, and I'm like, you know what? I'm thirsty. I'm fucking thirsty. I've not drank enough water today, and I got next to me right here a a wonderful room temperature cup of water right here h2o baby <laughs> yeah well on on my break up. on my break i i chugged down a uh, a full cup of water and put in, and refilled my cup so i have i've got some more for the remainder wow Along, we, also have we all have water we do yeah i mean i do have three nice. dr peppers as well but uh i but i do have water <laughs> Also, I do want to point out for those who can't see the video, because uh, we're not okay. putting out video, uh, Connor held up a almost full to the brim, like, solo cup of water. Oh, yeah, it does. This this is from a, uh, I don't know, like a bar or... Uh, no, yours is, yours is like two-thirds full. Connor's was <laughs> to the brim. Yeah, well, oh, Con- oh, Connor's, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I, that, I, I always fill my beverages to the brim, and then I spill them everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, I filled my glasses up as pretty high as well, but I usually like bring it back a little bit by drinking some before I transport no, the glass anywhere. I never remember the cup. that, and then I spill it everywhere. And but Josh that's is why, right; th- it is a solo. That's cup. That's why I have not, the spill proof. It's not like a popular like like red solo cup kind of thing where you know at, that they have at parties in college. It's a uh, Star Wars solo, like the movie Solo branded <laughs> cup. Um, that I got when I no, went it, to see that movie in the theaters. I thought it was a party cup that was made of aluminum. No, it is. I'm just I'm just joking. It's, yeah. it's not a party cup. No, it's it's just a. I said I said I said solo cup because it's an that's aluminium. What people would imagine it's an aluminium yeah. cup. 
that's just a regular aluminium cup. Right. It's supposedly disposable, but you can like wash it. Yeah, you, you can a little you, bit. They say you can wash it, but it does like the the metal does stain. Like it doesn't look good anymore. Right. <laughs> I just, I really, think they're cool. But you really, I saw your face. I saw your face. You said aluminium like twice. You're like, oh, I got these fuckers. I got them hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you talked about. That's just how you know. Well, and you know, I, I know, I know, I do know that by commenting on it, I'm playing into your hands. That's just how I say the word, though. But hi, Nova. I just it is, really is on. that not how I say the word? Say it really does bother me uh-huh. that you did that. Okay, like, well, because uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know, like, like you, you just have hi? like such like I'm not like other girls' energy. Yes, like that's your energy. I swear to God. <laughs> Aluminium. So I'm just I'm sorry I say, say that hi. word differently to you guys, but it's just how hi? I am. Oh my God. I'm a bit more European. <laughs> I mean, that's what you did during the break, right? Yes, I I was a pian. I was a pian. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. a Russian. Taking my sweet ass time. Oh boy. So I wasn't a Putin, if you know what I'm saying. That would that's number two. I was doing number one. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Book four, chapter one, the Tanning of Smeagol. Yes. <laughs> Josh is ready and raring to go. Well, we've got 12 minutes till the next Ahsoka episode drops, so I would like to finish up soon. All right. Lightning <laughs> round. We have 12 minutes. I mean, hey, just, I'm kidding. You know, okay. just don't, don't, don't look at your phone or the internet while we are talking and you'll be fine. Just go straight from this podcast into Disney Plus. You'll be all good. I heard well, Ahsoka, I to. Ahsoka but... regenerates into David Tennant. <laughs> no, he's already the robot. Um, I'm more concerned about getting to bed at a reasonable hour <laughs> because I yes. will stay up to watch the episode and I will stay up to read the comments online when I'm done reading, uh, watching the episode. I so see. I'd like to not get to bed after 1130 for the third night in a row. Oh no. I mean, you're going to go to bed <laughs> at midnight tonight, Josh. Sorry. Uh, All right. So well. the teaming of Schmeagle. Schmeagle. Um, so, so when we finished the previous chapter, you turn the page, it says book four. You're like, wow, here we go. You turn that page, the chapter title, the taming of Smeagol. I was like, okay, so we're just like getting into it, you know? Like, I know we're that We're just going to start taming Smeagol. <laughs> yep. He's been following the party since they left Rivendell. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Tolkien has been playing the long game here. Yeah, I mean, going going through Moria, all that. Um, it is funny to see it paid off here more than halfway into the next book. But I, I really like that. I think that's where, um, where Tolkien's, like, you know... The, the term here isn't world building, but like the way that he structures his story, you know, I think the the not only does the pace feel believable, but the setup and payoff, because it doesn't happen so close together, um, I think there's like a, like a greater emphasis on like, oh, like this is this is what it was like 
about, you know? Tolkien's not just doing something so he can have a reason for like the characters to do this other thing in the next chapter. Tolkien's like, this is gonna have plot relevance in a whole other book, you know? Many, many, many chapters down the road. And so it feels like um, he's put a lot of thought into like how how he structures the story. And um, that's cool. Uh, so this chapter here starts, we, we finally uh, catch back up with Frodo and Sam. And it's only been, I think they say, three days since they, they parted ways with the company uh, yep. at this point when we catch up with them. And uh, they're There's, still yes, they're stuck on the hills. They're exactly they're stuck. They're trying to find a way down because they're on like these uh, yeah hills, mountains uh, along the Emin Moyle, and they know they they essentially just want to make a beeline down and through the dead marshes into Mordor. Um, but they don't even know how to get down yet. It's been three fucking days. You know, they 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 keep trying to you know they have to like double back and go around and there there's no like obvious path for them to follow. It's very difficult. So um, eventually, Sam remembers he has some rope, and they do make it down. Uh, they're at the foot of these um, mountains, and while they're setting up camp there. They're like, hey, Gollum is, like, right there. And they knew that he's been following them, too. But they see him coming down, like, the rock face. And um, Sam has this genius plan that the second Gollum touches down on the ground, Sam just jumps him uh, to try and, try and uh, Beat the you know, shit get, out of him? yeah, gain the advantage here, kick the shit out of him. But Gollum, uh, he has, like... I don't know, like, I don't, insane, insane baby strength, like, something is awakened in him, you know, <laughs> and um, he's, he was definitely going to beat Sam, but then Frodo steps in, um, with Sting, no less, and Frodo has, like, this really cool line where he's like, yeah, remember this sword? Um, yeah. And so Gollum immediately relents, and, um... Sam's like, okay, we're going to kill him now, right? And Frodo's like, nah, let's not. So, uh, instead, they capture, they pretty much capture Gollum and make him swear that uh, he is going to be good and he is going to be obedient. Swear on his precious. Yes, he's going to swear on the precious, <laughs> and um, he is going to uh, help Frodo and Sam go to Mordor. And uh, as they, they like really begin that journey in earnest together is, I think, pretty much where our chapter leaves off, uh, where they're, they're kind of just about to set off truly as a group. Um, so a lot of this chapter, like the name implies, is you know, actually apprehending Smeagol and one could say taming him. But do they really? That's the question, right? 
So, what do we make of this? Not, you know, we're back with Frodo and Sam. We've been waiting a long time. We are more than halfway through, I mean, through the book. Probably a good 60, 65% done with this book by the time we get to this chapter. And it's like, hey, here's Frodo and Sam. And not only that, we get Gollum again in the same chapter. So, yeah. Uh, this was a really cool way to start off this section. Uh, Connor, you kind of look like you want to jump in. Do you want to share yeah. your thoughts reading through this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I we kind of sus like suspected that if we were going to meet back up with Sam and Frodo, it would be at the start of uh, this this second book. Yeah, um, and we were right. It was a uh, real real exciting to finally meet back up with them um obviously their their absence um was was felt while while i did really enjoy the first half of the book i i i did miss um frodo and sam quite a bit so it was, it was awesome to to see them again and and right away they're kind of back to their their you know classic dynamic um with you know trying to get get you know down this fucking cliff or whatever and there's all these antics with the rope um and you know i love how like it's obviously like a magic rope that i got from elf and yeah. frodo just like no i think you just suck at tying the knot <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you just suck at it sam and he's like he's like no i don't know i think i tied it really well i actually like I come from like a long line of people who like go, like take pride in like tying knots, and then Frodo's like, "No, I think you just kind of you're bad <laughs> at it." <laughs> and just you know, discounting the fact that they got it from fucking Fairyland, like right. that's where they got the, the rope from. Like, no, it's just Fairyland. It's, it's normal rope. It, it, it can't be magic right. at all. Um, so that was funny, and then yeah, you know, um, Smeagol. Gollum, um, we 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 have Gollum in kind of a uh, you know more of a precarious position here because um, he is desperate and kind of at he's he kind of is is at an inner war an inner war within himself um, is kind of what it what what it seems like and um, we we get Alpha Frodo Frodo becomes. Yeah becomes the alpha and and and, and really um really you know shows shows Gollum who's the boss and and uh um i yeah i mean i thought that was kind of cool um and a little bit scary you know uh to the point where sam is like yeah there's going to be no reasoning with him is he's just kind of going to do this and we're going to kind of drag along Gollum, um, regardless. So, I don't know. I think that's probably the wrong decision. I don't. I mean, I you know I don't know if, if killing him is the right choice, but but I you know I I I can see it coming back to bite them in the tushy later on. Maybe literally. Maybe literally. Yeah. Maybe Sam's already been bit. Yes. Yeah, that. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a great point. But. But yeah. I mean. You know. I think. Uh, I think Gollum's gonna go for for one of um, Frodo's juicy cheeks in the near future. Hmm. <laughs> what did you make of this chapter, Josh? Um. It was. 
don't know the right word for it. It was definitely a nice change of pace because uh, we've been following <coughs> the, the rest of the the fellowship for quite some time, and we've been complaining, well, we're just commenting on the fact that we hadn't heard anything of Sam and Frodo, uh, who are arguably the two main characters of well, Frodo's arguably the main character of Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, we haven't even heard of him for literally the first half of Two Towers. And it's nice to see a full chapter of them, and I suspect we're going to be getting a whole book of the two of them uh, within. now that we've spent half the book with the uh, uh, the rest of the Fellowship. Right. Uh, I was a little surprised how quickly Smeagol caught up with them uh, and how quickly the conversation went from beating the shit out of him to, all right, you're you're coming with us and swear on the precious. Um, maybe that was me being a little tired on Sunday and it just, but I definitely like read it and then I would like flip back a couple pages. Cause I felt like, I feel like I skipped a few pages cause I, fe- cause I swear this chapter was longer when I, when I checked before I started reading and I was already at the end. Um, so it must've been engrossing. <laughs> yeah. Um, also they do see Mordor from where they are. So it's only been three days for them since the, the fellowship dissolved and uh, they're already within sight of Mordor, even though they are technically still stuck on the hills near the river. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, a neat little tidbit. Yeah, it's true. Um... Also, I think we're starting to see some influence of the ring on on Frodo. Yeah, throughout this chapter. Oh, uh, like when he loses his sight? No, when he uh, Alpha Frodo. Oh, Alpha Not just Frodo, Alpha, right? Before that, um, the line I have here, it's like the it's a little ways into the chapter, but uh, do do do. do. They're arguing about whether to wait till morning and there's more light uh, to climb down a, a hill. And Frodo says, no, not if I can help it. Uh, said Frodo, with a sudden strange vehemence. Um, I grudge every hour, every minute. I'm going down to try it out. Don't you follow till I come back or call. And that to me is like, he's, he's getting snappy. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that that might be some of the ring just a little bit of that creeping influence that the ring's so well known for. I think so. Yeah, it could be. I think it's interesting um, <clears throat> because, like, to Frodo, you know, he's he he's partly having that response because he's like, you know, every every moment we like wait sitting around mm-hmm. is another moment we lose against Sauron, you know. So, like, if the ring is having an influence on him and making him, you know, more aggressive, it's funny that he's still able to kind of seemingly channel that aggression towards his goal of destroying the ring. You know? Hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that there's times where we see it. Connor mentioned with his fight against Smeagol and the way that he acts. And I was kind of, I don't know. I was wondering what was the deal with Frodo, like losing his sight because Sam comments on, uh, 
how he could see Frodo just fine. Yeah. I thought that was like a one-way mist kind of thing going on. I didn't yeah. think that was anything to do with the ring. I, I thought that was felt- more like a terrain yeah. environment. I kind of felt like it was a magical aspect of the environment, but I don't... I mean, I could be wrong. It could be a ring a ring thing, but it just seems like kind of random. And uh, <clears throat> like, why would that... Like, I guess to, to handicap him in a pivotal moment that, it, you know, maybe could have um, had that effect, but I don't know. Yeah. And the reason I took it as more than just a coincidence was, um, you know, not only do they talk about it when it happens, but I think afterwards, Sam either comments on it or reflects on it somehow. And he's like, you know, isn't it weird that, like, you just couldn't see? You yeah. know, he's like, we weren't that far away. Um, it is common to not, I think, of, uh, afterwards. Yeah. And then even... Um, talking about like oh you know coincidences and stuff like so in that moment um it's it's a little i think a little bit played for laughs because frodo's like see sam i can stand here just fine and then like he gets cut off and he he falls you know yeah (laughs) um because then like this storm rolls in um but yeah they're just having a shitty time on these hills aren't they 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 are, but in my copy, page 215, um, here's what it says when this storm rolls on through. Um, let's see, what line am I looking for? Oh, man. You know, I thought that I would find it right away. What does my note say? I'm sorry. So the storm is described as Sauron's thought. That's what I have written down. Where the fuck is that? Um, oh, yeah. Then it goes like... Uh, I think I have it. Clear sky was growing in the east once more. Uh, the skirts of the storm were lifting ragged and wet. Does that sound familiar? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, that's exactly it. And the main Um, battle had passed to spread its great wings over the Emin Wheel. Upon which the dark thought of Sauron brooded for a while. And then, yeah, it kind of describes... I think it, like, continues to talk about, like, where the storm... storm, Right. But so, I, I wanted to bring it up because, like, at first, you know you might take the storm as, you know, just coincidence too, but we've also seen the connection between uh, the antagonists and inclement weather. That's part of what happens when uh, the company tries to go through the mountain Cardass. And it's like, oh, Saruman is casting a wicked spell to create the snowstorm. And... You know, here, too, not only does it feel like more than just a storm because it's described as Sauron's thought, which is pretty clear, but they also hear the cry of the Nazgul, and it feels like it's like this, you know, storm is, like, following or, like, brought along by the Nazgul itself. Um, So I just wanted to touch on that because, like, Tolkien is kind of, again, using this idea of, like, how... 
the nature of like individuals affects the nature of the landscape. We saw like the other side of that too in Lothlorien, where it's like the you know like yeah, it's magically imbued by Galadriel's ring, but you know, um, it's described as like this like fucking paradise and it's it's well maintained and the people there are you know joyful and exuberant and creative right so you get like this reflection of like the people and their land and um so of course mordor is like a total shithole and uh the storms themselves are like you know following through with the nazgul and so like when this storm happens it's not just like oh what bad timing you know but it's it's really an extension of uh, the enemy. And and just to like close that thought, you know, even at the end of Fellowship, um, Josh, you had mentioned like with that Palantir like watchtower that Frodo's on, uh, he he like gets off the seat just in time and then like there's that passage that describes this cloud passing over and it's described as like Sauron's arm. Yep. Um, it's also described as a battle. Right. So I, I just thought it was interesting that here the storm is described as Sauron's thoughts. And so it's like, it, it really feels like Sauron as this uh, sort of ethereal entity, you know, they're not even really this physical being, you know, they, they're they're live like kind of like literally merged with like the landscape itself in a way you know Sauron isn't just like one thing one person you know Sauron is like this horrible dark sinister energy like like calamity Ganon or something you know and, and the way that it infects the land so um, that that Frodo sees it for what it is so clearly, I think is interesting. He doesn't just think, oh, a storm. He's like, that's Sauron, you know? Um, I do have more notes here. Do you want me to jump around a bit? Do you want to talk about some stuff, Josh? What are you thinking? Can you hear me? I don't I think, think I can hear you, Josh. I think Josh's mic is fucked up. Yeah. No, we... Oh, let's take can a quick me? break. Sorry. Okay. No, I'm here. All right, we can hear you. Oh, you are. Yeah, I can hear you. I've heard you this whole time, but uh, the uh, the connection on my mic might be going out, unfortunately. Oh. Um, I just realized I bumped it or something. Anyway, uh, I do have a note, actually, uh, where... They were talking about the ropes uh, and the knot. And uh, uh, Sam says, uh, Mr. Frodo in my pack and all uh, carried it hundreds of miles and I clean forgotten it. And my note there is that this is just a moment straight out of D&D. You got this really important item that you need and you just leave it in your bag. You have no idea it's there until one day you, you're just looking through your inventory. It's like, oh, I guess I had this. <laughs> <laughs> Could have used that when my friend died the other day. Yeah. So yeah, it's that that moment I was just reading. I was like, oh, this is this is just D and D right here. <laughs> um, the big note I have for this whole chapter, I think, um, 
Yeah. There's a moment before they meet up with Gollum. Gollum? Um, no, it's right as they meet him. Uh, he's pulled out Sting. And it seemed to Frodo when he, then that he heard, quite plainly but far off, voices out of the past. And we get those lines. The what a pity Bilbo did not stab the vile creature. Pity is what stayed his hand. Yeah. Um, do not feel pity. He deserves death. Uh, and then the whole uh, be not too eager to deal out death in the name of justice, fearing for your own safety, even if his wise cannot see all ends. Um, I swear that was worded differently when I read it on Sunday. Oh, some die that deserve life. Can you give them that? Yeah. Or can you give that to them? That's what I was remembering. But I, right before we sat down to record, I went and found where that exchange happened, and it's in the sh- the shadow of the past. Um, the one of the chapters in Fellowship of the Ring on page for me seventy four. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I just I found it really neat that we had an actual like flashback to earlier in the story. Yeah, that was cool. Not not someone just like telling a story of something that happened long ago. This is like literally like the voices that you hear when the character is like preparing to do something. And that's just like a reminder of what they're doing, what they need to do. Yeah, so I just thought it was neat that we had a, a actual dialogue flashback yeah for sure yeah you're right that is um another 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 little uh tool that tolkien pulls from his tool belt that he just did not use in fellowship at all so it's it's funny to see how he's (laughs) still kind of um tweaking his writing style as he as he continues and goes through this book um and it's cool that you looked up where it was because I forgot. I was like reading my it, note. and I was like, "Is this from the end of the Hobbit? Like, why don't I remember that, where this?" That was. was my note. Was was this from Fellowship or the Hobbit? And while I was waiting for Connor to to sign on, I I got my book out and was uh, looking it up real quick. Yeah, I'm glad you double checked. That is cool because I I knew it was either it was either where Gandalf was talking with Bilbo before they before the battle of the five armies or something, or uh, maybe, maybe at the end of the, when they're heading back home, or it was that conversation at bag end with, between Frodo and Gandalf. Right. So I decided to start with the fellowship one since that seemed a little more relevant. It is a really, it is a great passage too. I really like the logic, like, you know, can you, give life to those who die no of course not so right. don't be so quick to give death to those who live it's a really compelling who deserve, who deserve to live yeah i wonder if we'll get those voices in the the two towers movie when we get to that. <laughs> yeah you might be right connor what'd you say it's compelling yeah i i, I thought that was a really um good good scene in kind of Frodo's uh, moment of of anger or or adrenaline there you know and and um, yeah good good kind of dramatic callback I guess 
totally. Okay, let me go through a little bit more. Um, at the beginning of the chapter, Frodo is kind of lamenting. He says, um, actually, we were talking about how he's like frustrated all the time they have to spend waiting. He's like, anytime they wait, that's more time for the enemy, you know? Um, he has this line, what hope we had was in speed. And it stuck out to me because that's how the chapter right before it ends. Like, that's what Gandalf says, too, when he's on Shadowfax. He's like, our hope is in our speed or something. Um, so, I, I like seeing that, you know, even though they're removed by all these, these many miles, Gandalf's influence is strong on Frodo, you know? And, like, Frodo, on his own, you know, he's, he's not just, like you know, hanging around, taking it easy, you know, he, he really um, understands, like, the severity of the situation, and, and he has the same, like, perspective on it as Gandalf has, you know, who is obviously, like, one of the wisest characters, so also really shows, I think, like, some strong growth on Frodo's part, that that's where his head is at, so I thought that was cool. Um, we talked about the cry of the Black Rider that Sam comments on when the storm first breaks out. So mm -hmm. I like that there's like this increased presence of the Nazgul. Things are starting to feel more serious. You know, it's like the Palantir uh, leads into the Nazgul. And, and now here, like we get a Nazgul. And it's like every time we see or hear about a Nazgul now, they're flying. So really feels like maybe killing their horses at the end of fellowship was uh, just a short a short term victory you know cuz now now they're fucking flying somehow what that was in the middle of fellowship wasn't it oh yeah you're right i guess it would have been that's just before they get to rivendell yeah so Actually, you're right i think that's i think that's the end of book 1 yeah good point um yeah not the end at all Absolutely. Huh. Um, and then all my other notes here were were about uh, Gollum and uh, Sam, Frodo, and Gollum, their interactions. I really liked the description of Gollum climbing down the sheer rock face yeah, like as an insect. Yeah. It's just really unsettling imagery. It really yep. makes me think of, uh, I don't know, there's like that uh, subset of horror genre where you just have people crawling on walls and shit. They're usually possessed, you know, like that kind of shit. That's what it made me think of. So, yeah, it's that's freaky. a good analogy. Like that, uh, that White Stripes music video. Yeah, like that White Stripes music right? video. Exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. <laughs> Fell in love with a golem. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Probably um, it came out the same year as the movie. <laughs> so yeah. when they're actually like trying to convince Smeagol to go with them and not kill them in their sleep, um, the my note here is that it's like talking to a very young, stubborn child who just wants the, the candy in your pocket or Nova when she you show her a treat. 
they're just fo- they're focusing on the thing you have and not on what you're saying. They just want it. Yeah. Um, but I was rereading it uh, a moment ago, and when Frodo becomes Alpha Frodo and he says, uh, uh, "On the precious, how dare you?" He said, "Think." And then we get a break in the text, and it says, "One ring to rule them all, and in the darkness bind them." And I'm wondering, did he? Did he quote that? Or is that like a break for the narrator to remind the audience that this is what the ring does? Is that it rules over everyone and binds them in darkness? Mm, that's a good question. So this... Because I was just thinking of it as a flashback because we were just talking about the flashback text a moment ago. And now I'm rereading that part and it's... I'm wondering, is, is that something Frodo's actually reciting? Or is this the narrator showing us what the ring does? Or is it fr- or is it both? It is so. a good question. I also was not sure when I read through it, but looking back at it now, I'm leaning more towards it is something that Frodo is quoting just because it's in the middle of his two lines of dialogue. So, True. But it's not in quotes, is it? Just in italics, right? Yeah, no, I mean it. Which is what it he does. Is, it's also what Tolkien does for for songs and or verse. True, true, true. So, and this is technically a verse. Yeah, to your yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. He's singing it then. <laughs> um, yeah, his I, his dialogue continues with it on both sides. So I kind of thought it was like a thought, like he thought it, but that's the, that's kind of how I was interpreting it as well. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not super clear, and it is interesting to consider. But I'm leaning more towards he is quoting it at him, like think, like just like you're saying, Josh, like think about it, like this is yeah. how serious it is, you know. Um, but it could also be like a promise of like the ring rules all and binds us in the darkness, kind of speech yeah a pledge yeah you're right um this whole you know connor already talked about this too you know connor's like i don't really know how much i trust this smeagol guy you know (laughs) i mean it Uh, it says at the end this is my last note it says uh which uh sorry where is it from that moment, a change, which lasted for some time, came over him. So apparently this change in Smeagol, where after he makes his promise, uh, is temporary? Yeah, it lasted for some time. When will that be? Will he betray <laughs> them? I mean, I, I, have a, I have a bit of an idea from what I know of the story, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen or when. Yeah, and the other thing I, that um, that is funny about it that I think Tolkien kind of shows through his writing. Um, so when when he's tr- when when Smeagol is trying to swear, uh, you know, right that that he's going to do good, and it's just before the passage you were talking about, Josh, just before the one ring to rule them all bit. Um, Frodo, it says, swear, said Frodo, 
Smeagol, said Gollum, suddenly and clearly, opening his eyes wide and staring at Frodo with a strange light. Smeagol will swear on the precious. And then we get the rest of that. But yep. what I like about it is that those those two things right next to each other. Smeagol said, said Gollum. Go. Yeah. When so I, already when I, Tolkien's showing you it's not it's not true. It can't be, right? Like, this isn't coming from Smeagol. He's just telling Frodo that it is. When I read that, I read it as Gollum relinquishing control to Smeagol so that Smeagol could make the promise. That's exactly how I thought of it, too. Um, and... The inner conflict. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, one of like, them... One of them like is is, Gollum, um, Gollum. is is bound to the ring, right? And one of them isn't. Or I don't know if I interpret it that way, but that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm not sure which is which, though. Um, what the way I was interpreting it is that Gollum was refusing to to um, Gollum wants to do what he wants to do. We we will swear to do what we want. Yes, yes, uh, and it hurts us. Like he, it's more self. Gollum's more self centered. Just wants to do what Gollum wants. Uh, and I think he realizes that he can't do. He can't make this promise in any believable way. But Smeagol might be able to. Hmm. Uh, and I, I maybe Gollum thinks he can go back on that word later. Because Smeagol is the one who swore. (laughs) There's a little bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is funny. Um, And especially funny to think about, you know, this character as two halves, as as like two different entities in the same body. Mm Because, you know, that is pretty much how it's presented to us. But... Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, I guess, I guess it, I was going to say, I don't really trust either of them, but I guess it does have to do with the fact that they're split and it's like, it's like, right. Even if you can trust Smeagol, you know, how is he going to fight against Gollum? You know, how, how is, right. How is he going to be able to fight against that temptation? If, if Gollum is like the Palantir or the one ring, you know, it's like, you might have uh, good intentions, but like when the darkness comes, you know, can you fight against it? Even even if you want to, you know, even even if you do your best, it's like, can you overcome that that base nature? Like that's pretty much what they're gambling on right now. Um, and it is a very interesting place to have the characters. B. I mean, um, we did talk a little bit about the the pa- Josh. You talked about the passage, you know, that flashback there. But what do we actually think about them sparing Smeagol in the first place? I don't know. I mean, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do in this situation? I don't know. You know, maybe they just weren't really ready to kill. Yeah. And I mean, they did logic it out quite a bit. They, they do need help getting to Mordor. They've, I mean, they've been stuck on a hill for three days. Yeah, and definitely. Smeagol's been there. He knows the way. Definitely. So, 
Otherwise, they could just go ask the orcs for help getting in, but I don't think they'd like that option very much. I think yeah. that's... I don't remember who puts that forward, but somebody does mention that in this chapter. Smeagol does. Because Smeagol doesn't really want to go to Mordor. No. Because he was tortured there. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, just run into some orcs. They'll take you there. But, of course, he means as a prisoner. Like, it's like, sure, yeah. you'll get to Mordor. You know, if that's where you want to go, you'll get there. Yep. But not on your own terms. Yeah. Um, uh, so just a couple quick things on Gollum, Smeagol. Um, one... I thought it was funny um, towards the end of the chapter here too. Um, <laughs> Sam, Sam fucking hates Gollum, and he has this yeah. great this great moment of uh, like mocking him. He says, uh, "It says Sam got out the rope, and where were you off to in the cold hard lands, Mister Gollum?" He growled. "We wonders, I we wonders." <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny that he says he that. He picked up him. on yeah, he picked up on that uh verbal tick pretty quickly. Yeah. And then um Although just, I guess I, I guess he, he probably heard it growing up from Bilbo. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, isn't that weird in a way? That's you know, this like storybook character is kind of brought yeah, to life. Yeah, that that for must them. be a little strange for them. It's like, oh, you know, That's the boogeyman's point. real. And he's yeah. going to help you get to the underworld. Oh, here's Rumpelstiltskin. Right. <laughs> um, and, um, oh, and then just before that, I guess I'm going backwards a little bit, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Gollum is saying... When he's talking, I think this he's like talking about he doesn't want to go to Mordor, right? He says, um, it says, he got up and clenched his long hand into a bony, fleshless knot, shaking it towards the east. We won't, he cried. Not for you. Then he collapsed again. Gollum, Gollum. He whimpered with his face to the ground. Don't look at us. Go away. Go to sleep. And then we get this reply. He will not go away or go to sleep at your command, Smeagol, said Frodo. But if you really wish to be free of him again, then you must help me. And that, I fear, means finding us a path towards him. So, uh, from Frodo's response, I guess I just got that, you know, Gollum is like cursing out Sauron, right? Yeah. Not even like Mordor itself, but like, you know. The top But Sauron. Um, I don't know, and I just generally don't even really think of Gollum having a relationship with Sauron. And then, like, I but think he back to our... He's had the ring for so many years, he's closest thing he would have to a friend. Right, and, right. and it's like, you think back to what we were talking about at the end of the Fellowship, and it's like, oh, right, the ring is Sauron, right? So... Mm -hmm. He actually has, right, a very wow. personal relationship with him. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. So, and then, and then, yeah, right, it's like, and then Smeagol's captured, you know, so much later in life and tortured there, you know, it's like, yeah. it's actually more complicated than it seems, I think. 
So the fact <laughs> that Gollum is it's complicated. <laughs> the fact that that Gollum no, that was you a know, joke in two thousand six, right? There we go. There we go. Gollum got pwned at Mordor. <laughs> I got pwned at Mordor, and all I got was this stupid shirt. Um, but but like Gollum acknowledges it too, you know, like. He's not just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, shit happens. He's like, this was done to me, you know? Um, and he's very aware of that and, and resentful of it, too. So, I don't know. I, I guess all I'm, like, talking it out, like, generally, I feel like uh, Gollum slash Smeagol, you know, his thoughts are entirely and only occupied on the ring. And otherwise, like, there's not a lot going on upstairs, you know? Like, the lights are on, but it's like nobody's home. But <laughs> I think... I think he has more of an awareness and understanding than I've typically given him credit for. And he, I, I see some of that here. So um, I just wanted to point that out, too. Yeah, I think in I think in Hobbit, he's described as being very clever, especially with the riddle game. That's um, true. But, I mean, that's all we really saw of him up, to, up before this point. So, kind of yeah, I guess he, he does have like a... Uh, He's clever in a very sinister kind of way, right? Yeah. yeah, he's his own kind of clever. He's, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's uh, kind of too disgusting to be thought of as clever, and and <laughs> and in that yeah. way, in that way, he's like always underestimated. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good observation, and um, and I think I'm guilty of that too. You know. So, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, I I know just because that's that's why people underestimate me. It's very similar, <laughs> right? Yeah, have similar vibes. Yeah, <laughs> crawling down the wall. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So. I know we kind of talked about this, but my last thing here was kind of just a question. Like, um, so we we get this promise, right? And it's like, how how much can Smeagol really be trusted? And you know, we already said, well, the the writing even implies this is this is temporary. Um, but I guess I just wonder, like, your thoughts on now we kind of have this new dynamic. Any any predictions or ideas about what you think uh, where this might go or or what their their dynamics might be like it's complicated yeah yes. i think that that says it all i think there will be more tensions set ablaze i think uh smeagol is gonna try some shit um sam might might end up fighting or arguing with Frodo more about uh, Gollum, Smeagol and they're, they're you know, dragging him along with, with them. I think, yeah, there, there's there's tons of opportunity now for conflict to arise. Um, and that's not even going into the treacherous unknown you know, perils that that await them on their journey into you know mordor um true so yeah uh 
all all that and more i'm sure nice okay yeah I, i like that idea it's like oh yeah the the stage is set for conflict so yeah we'll see what that gets us Anything else about this chapter that we want to mention or anything else we may have missed? How do you feel, boys? Nothing for me. Nope. I just listened right. to the train. Couldn't think of anything. It's okay. I think we've had a pretty chill night tonight. You know, we've had some laughs. Yeah. But overall... Very, very different feel from the last discussion. Yeah. It's, it's still a good one. We've kind of just been rolling with it, you know? Yeah. Just kind of, you know, we're, we're just chill chumps, you know? Yes. Just a few chill chumps. <laughs> that is where There's we're at. episode title for you. Yeah. Well, um, just for the record, uh, we are going to have just a, a, a bit of a break. Um, and I think this is a good place for us to kind of like leave off for a little bit i'm glad that we got to finish book three in its entirety and just reading through the first chapter of book four it's like it's cool to see like it's like okay you know the stage is set we get what's happening here and then i think we'll be able to like pretty smoothly dive back into uh the remainder of the two towers after there's a ring on my finger wow you know yeah that was smooth so thanks <laughs> congratulations thanks I, I just want to throw it out there um because <laughs> I mean, we we will we will be on a quick break here but yeah, yeah. we'll be yeah be on break for a few weeks while uh we we travel over to mordor <laughs> 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 um but yeah uh i i i do think that this is kind of a good good place to uh to pause for a bit because we'll jump back in and kind of the stage is set and now the adventure um, yeah. exactly kind of. it's only it's only about, gonna be about three weeks for us it'll probably only be like a month yeah. for the audience yeah which i mean <laughs> honestly that's pretty normal like that shit happens even when nothing's happening, i don't so. i don't know we i don't do know how couple, far behind we are we we, we do have a couple episodes. of uh, uh backlogged episodes so it shouldn't be yeah maybe if we start releasing episodes that people just listen <laughs> yeah. to this i mean the, the five people who currently listen will be yeah, like what are know, they talking about the next episode's already out it is unfortunate i'm just like waiting for someone to tweet about it you know <laughs> <laughs> the second somebody tweets i know about it, I, think, I know i know i, it, I know it'll be up I, okay 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 uh post the do it do it and i'll do okay. it i'll All take right. care we're of it. gonna do it all right Go guys for it. everyone thank you for listening uh you can head on over to patreon.com slash chapter chumps we are having so much fun over there just every day it gets better with more people and uh, more fun more cool things happening it's just uh i don't even know how, how much longer it can last if we're having that it's much not fun. sustainable honestly it's we're, we're growing at an unsustainable <laughs> rate know, yes you know it's it's just unlimited growth and it's scary actually like you know <laughs> I'm afraid we're going to explode. Um, yeah. So you do Perhaps that. Um, if, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at chapterchumpspod at gmail.com or just follow us on social media at chapterchumps on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, we will sometimes post about the podcast there, but usually it's like about Star Wars, just yelling about Star Wars. That's um, true. It is. And as always, until next time. Precious.
Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>